Hello, this is Marvel Cinematic University, the podcast where we break down the movies in the MCU to get you ready for Infinity War. I am Jay Christie, and I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Canton III. Hey, what's going on? And Jerome Chang. Hello, hello. And we're here today to talk about the movie that started it all, Iron Man. Came out in 2008, directed by Jon Favreau. Guys, I know we all recently just watched this again. What was your first impression rewatching it? So the funny thing for me when I went back and rewatched it, I just think of the the opening scene with uh, them in the them in the van, uh, the, uh, what you call it, out in the desert and stuff. And it's funny at the time because I was thinking not only the time I rewatched it, but the time that I saw it in the movies all the way back in in the in the spring of two thousand eight, and just the the hype around the movie and then of course like that opening scene where where you know Tony Stark Robert Downey Jr by the way who did such a tremendous job and has kind of headlined this whole thing it made it huge just that and just like lightening the mood with the conversation that we, he was having with the army people and of course then they get attacked and and then it just starts off with a bang after a couple of jokes, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh wow, this is gonna be this is gonna be excellent." Back at the time, but then rewatching it now, I realized that wow, this movie was really good, and it was such a great setup to everything. To now, what are we on? We're about to be on the 18th uh, film oh in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, <clears throat> Black Panther, coming up. So yeah, just a just a tremendous start that first film. Yeah, it um I think the impression I took out of it was it just holds up so well. I'm so surprised when I actually uh watch it like, oh, I could watch this today and enjoy it just as much as I did back then. Um to Anthony's point, Tony Stark perfectly cast and you could tell from the first few minutes in the movie, it's it hits it off with a bang. It's yeah, it holds up great. <laughs> yeah, it definitely um it it works not and it works independently even if there was no Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, like it just works as a because obviously before then <coughs> we knew superhero movies really is just like a contained thing. Like there are multiple X Men movies and Spider Man movies, but yeah, they existed just to be X Men and Spider Man movies. And like even if there was no Avengers, Iron Man is such a well drawn character in this movie that. Uh, you know, it, 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 you don't need any more. Like, I was fully invested in his storyline. And I think that his arc in it is really what makes it interesting um, because for a lot of these superheroes, they start off as people who want to do well or, like, are trying to do something good. And then, like, they just keep doing stuff good and, they like, their uh, enemy is purely outside. But Tony Stark, you, his character progression of going from that guy in the first scene who jokes about having sex with uh 12 of the 13 maxim uh cover models uh to a guy who wants to save the world is something that's really fun to watch and like a compelling arc even if it wasn't a movie about like superheroes and blowing stuff up yeah exactly and it's funny because 
you, you talk about the uh, the Maxim scene. Of course, once the once the the scene happens where everything explodes and you see the blood on Tony's chest, obviously with the shrapnel going into his heart, then it reverts back to uh, a prior scene where you know he was playing he, he was playing a roulette at the casino. And then, of course, he leaves, and then he leaves with that reporter who's, you know, who's asking him all these questions about about Stark Industries and stuff like that. And then, of course, they they have a nice little tryst at in the nighttime. And then, of course, one of my favorite lines the next day when she wakes up, and then, of course, uh, Christine Everhart, and she wakes up and she and she hears all the stuff with Jarvis and and all the sounds that he makes and everything that he says. And then, of course, Pepper Potts, Gwyneth Paltrow, great casting there. Uh, so, so Christine Everhart goes, You must be the famous Pepper Potts. After all these years, Tony still has you picking up the dry cleaning. And then Pepper responds, one of the great lines of the movie. I do anything and everything that Mr. Sark requires, including occasionally taking out the trash. Will that be all? And <laughs> I think of, I think of that, I think of that line and that was so funny and it was just, it was just so interesting, like, how Tony goes from, like, the the dude who's like that and as we progress through the movie eventually you know he he falls he falls for pepper and they have and they start their their romance which is like kind of like a little side story i'm not like huge on the whole like superhero needs like romantic side story but of course they need to have that there it also sets up pepper perfectly as like an equal not just tony's assistant just from the way like uh, Christine tries to belittle her with that comment and then just the immediate comeback there. She's just as witty. She's just at the same level. So it's a great start. Yeah, I was, upon rewatching it, I was surprised by how good Gwyneth Paltrow was in it because uh, I think in the later ones when she starts focusing less on acting and more on gooping, that she's, <laughs> the performances aren't as good. But she's like, in a lot, in the scenes with her and Robert Downey Jr., like they're bump, they go back and forth. Like it's not like, more you know she's she. At, the reason that she works as his equal is because no one. I mean, obviously Robert Downey Jr. has the best performance in this movie, but she's not mm-hmm. outclassed by him in the scenes where they go back and forth. You know what I mean? Right. Not at all. Um. Now I want to move on to uh, a, a a little category of um, yeah. On that topic, uh, I think we should do this for all the movies. What 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 character was your favorite besides the superhero? Because obviously Iron Man is you know great, but what character did you enjoy besi- most besides the superhero? And my answer for this one probably would be Pepper Potts. It's a good answer. Uh, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. I would agree with you. I lo- I like Happy. I liked Happy Happy Hogan. He he's, he had his uh, John Favreau, of course, who directed the movie. Um, he was funny in his parts too, but I gotta say it was a pretty deep. You, you can't go wrong with Jeff Bridges as Obadiah Stane, who ends up being the uh, who ends up being the uh, villain in the movie. Which you know we, we from for for somebody who hadn't seen, who hadn't really like who knew of Iron Man in the comics and read it, but at the same time didn't like really know the whole whole story per se. The fact that they had the nice little twist of him being behind the whole uh tony getting attacked um out in the desert and of course him creating his own suit and the battle at the end and of course he was just 
he was just Jeff Bridges is just really great at everything that he does, and this was just an, this was just another example of that. So I'd say it was a pretty good villain to start off the MCU. Um, agree with all the above. I got to shout out Agent Coulson. I totally forgot the whole side story of setting up Shield within, right? And uh, especially just because you know what happens in MCU and how big his role becomes later on. Um, just the smaller parts there, the kind of the small snarkiness bringing the universe together, like, it's established early on, and it's just really funny. Uh, like, a nice dry moment is when they go to go after uh, Ob- Obadiah in Section 16, and Pepper's flustered, she's trying to use her key card, and then there goes Coulson, placing in the small explosive, they turn around, just stand perfectly still, and it's just like, it's the moment where you realize, like, there is this larger universe, and there are these people working behind the scenes, and... Yeah. They're already yep. ahead of the game. I actually, uh, yeah. yeah, no, 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 go ahead. I was going to say that I was reading the IMDb trivia stuff because, you know, preparation. And apparently, because mm-hmm. as you guys probably know, this movie was largely improvised, which is wild to say about like a multi-hundred million dollar superhero production. <laughs> yeah. But most of the lines were improvised. And which they probably couldn't do for any of the current ones right now. No. Um, but uh, apparently... Uh, Agent Coulson was only just called Agent in the original, like, script, and he was only in, like, one or two scenes, but they liked his chemistry with the actors so much that they wanted, like, that whenever, that they added him into more scenes, and then when they had the bits with the FBI agents at the end, he was there, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he really just, he does just, like, he fits, and he, you know, uh, yeah, Clark Gregg is great. Like, he's, there's a reason why, uh, he is a beloved character. He became a beloved character in the MCU because he's just there is that dryness that is really welcome in this movie with a lot of obviously explosions and you know Tony Stark being such a larger than life character having a somewhat like not schlubby but like a uh, balding FBI agent character. Yeah, <laughs> works. Well, yeah. well, I mean, like if you think about it, like how often is the faceless FBI agent like the buzzkill in the movie? And they do set him up to be that way, but then you realize, much like everyone else, they have their role and almost to the point of equal, like, present him in this schlubby way, but he's there and he's got a presence. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Um, and what, guys, what was your guys' favorite scene? Like, what scene stood out to you as your favorite? Because I'm not really sure. I, there are a lot of scenes I like a lot. Um, I think I, I, I really enjoy the sequence... Um, where he's first flying out the suit in Afghanistan, uh, with the uh, well, first where he saves the village and then he almost gets shot down. I think that that's really good. But uh, what would you guys say is your favorite sequence in the movie? Underrated to me was when we find out that Obadiah turns on him, and then he sticks that. Uh, oh, he sticks that. Well, I don't know what that, that machine was. Right, that paralyzing yeah. uh, machine on him. And I, I remember when I first saw it, I was like, oh, no. What the? <laughs> and, I was really, and I was really like that in the movie. I was like, oh, no, what's happening here? It's like, this dude is really bad. And, <laughs> and yeah, so like, it, it looked like Tony was in huge trouble. But then, of course, uh, 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 he, you know, what you call it, he was able to get to the, uh, the arc re- reactor and change it. And, um, and then, of course, uh, Rhodey helps him out, which, by the way, that's a whole nother story that we have to... That we, that yeah, we're getting, I, definitely I was going to say that. Uh, as far as uh, uh, Terrence Howard was concerned, because it obviously, 
That was, was my next first... category. That was my oh, next what? category. Oh, oh, yeah. okay. I can't so, so I'll save that for then. But yeah, I, I that scene to me, just like the shock of it, because I, I, I just love the dynamic of, 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 of the villain, you know, getting one up upsmanship over the hero. That that that's always interesting to me. And I think that that dynamic that the that Obadiah and uh, Tony had. It, I don't I don't think I appreciated the first time I saw it. But there really is a special dynamic between one and one of their parents' friends after their parents' passes. Like, it is a weird relationship, and I think that (laughs) in the scenes before you realize he's evil, Obadiah, like, plays it in, like, there are moments where, like, you could tell, like, he he portrays himself as sort of a father figure, but also... Not like it, it's the, the the dynamic in the relationship is really is interesting, and I think is um, Jeff Bridges plays really well, and it, to the point where you get it, where when you understand that he resents him and he wants to be you know the head, that yeah, it works. Uh, Jerome, what would you say is your favorite scene? Uh, I mean it's a larger sequence, but really the whole Mark One sequence. I mean it's I want like watching it again. Uh, today, like just watching before we recorded here, it's such a good sequence just because uh, they really dive into like, trying to make it look like the way it looks. It's like practical effects. It feels like um, just the clunkiness of it. Uh, I and just the way it sets up like the whole character arc too, fantastic. Um, but that's like a larger part, I guess, in terms of smaller ones. Going back to Obadiah, uh, really the scene. Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave with a box of scraps. I absolutely love that <laughs> part. Um, watching it again today, uh, it's, it was like a weird stretch. I felt like this is how I imagine like it works at Apple when they created the first iPhone or iPod. <laughs> it's like take this larger thing and put it in the smaller thing and figure it out. And like I have it in my notes here. Obadiah Jobs, like that's that's the motivation that he pushed forward, like new technology. Um, but yeah, though I would say those are uh, definitely memorable parts. Absolutely. And now let's move on to the category that I just teased. Uh, Terrence Howard. Uh, obviously, anyone Wait, who's watched. Um, okay, go. Jake, uh, can we name this section the Iron Mang section? Is that yes? Is that okay? <laughs> that's a ding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the Iron <laughs> Mang section. Terrence Howard. Thank you. Uh, as anyone who's watched the other movies knows, gets replaced in Iron Man 2 by the always underrated Don Cheadle. Um, mm-hmm. and I rewatching it, like, I, I've obviously everyone's heard that Terrence Howard's a nightmare to work with, so that obviously had a lot to do with why he was let go, but also, the biggest thing is, I don't think, I think he played Colonel Rhodes fine, but the thing that I think he did really poorly is he played James Rhodes, friend of Tony Stark. Like, I just didn't believe it at all. Like, they didn't have any chemistry <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. And, and, that's, and it's so wild to think about it that he was the highest paid actor in that film. Was he? Not, yeah, he was the highest paid actor. More than Gwyneth Paltrow, more than Jeff Bridges, more than Robert Downey <laughs> so Jr. So he was the draw, is what you're saying. Well, I mean, essentially, it seems like they thought that they could really benefit from having him in this, but apparently he was just too difficult to deal with, and and they and allegedly, uh, 
Uh, John Favreau and his producers were ultimately unhappy with Howard's performances, spent a lot of time cutting and reshooting his scenes. So, I mean, and you can see you can see that based on there was a lot of there was a lot of coldness. Not like you know there there are certain roles that Terrence Howard, I think, Hustle and Flow is the one that it comes to me directly where you could feel the charisma coming off the screen, and I just didn't feel that in in Iron Man. I mean, it, based on the new information you're giving me here, there is a possibility you can revisit this movie and look at it as Terrence Howard maybe seeing it as the growth of his War Machine franchise. <laughs> Especially when you think about, like, the soon baby scene. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, when he, uh, when he says, when he looks at the suit and says, next time, baby, I'm thinking to myself, not for you. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't mind. Yeah, it was just the friendship dynamic. Uh, is that de- like for me is definitely the uh, private jet scene where they're uh, where he's like outpouring all his like frustration to Tony while everything's going on in the background. I gotta say that is a fun scene, and I'm not oh, sure yeah. I enjoyed that scene as much with Don Cheadle. I mean, I don't know. I think Don Cheadle could do. I don't it, know, but uh, yeah, there's just the, there's just a warmth that Don Don Cheadle brings and like a lightness. That I, I yeah, guess sure. I guess the thing is that Terrence Howard that the the whole friendship dynamic has to rely on Tony Stark doing something reckless, being successful, and uh, James Rhodes rolling his eyes and saying Tony, and yes. Terrence Howard does not have that muscle in his body. He's never rolled his eyes in his life. Like he's if you want instead of rolling his eyes, he like punches you in the face. Um, right. So that's fair. I just. I just had trouble believing that. That was really the only bad casting, though. Like, we were talking earlier about uh, how he doesn't only have any lines, but John Favreau, like, playing Happy Hogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that, I mean, that just works. Like, John Favreau, he has the right build, and I think it, I, it's nice that he was able to get in uh, the franchise, especially when later on he stops directing them. Um, we'll talk about right. this when we get to Iron Man 3, but I just want to say that I respect him so much for still doing the role. Uh, that's a, yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, now I want to just move on to. Uh, I don't think we can do this in every one of these movies, but I feel I, rewatching it. There was some stuff that was let's go with the mildly problematic. Um, okay. Because it's a movie that exists after two thousand one. Uh, its portrayals of Middle Eastern people aren't great. Uh, yeah, no, that's for sure. <laughs> not at all. Especially like. Um, I didn't notice it the first or second time I watched this movie, but um, when Yansen points out that they speak a bunch of different languages, like looking back on it, that probably is just because they couldn't get the language right. Because like, I was reading like some <laughs> on the goof section of IMDb that like, although yes, they do explain it by saying they speak a bunch of different languages, like they it makes no like they most of them speak Arabic, which makes no yeah. sense because it takes place in Afghanistan, which is not even like like Afghanistan is two countries away from where you speak Arabic. Like it it just and uh, it it just doesn't really uh, it it doesn't work on any level because I mean it works on I mean honestly, I don't want to say it doesn't work on any level, but I guess what I didn't appreciate is that they obviously try to make that one guy who could speak English like the head of that right. of the ten whatever's. Uh, ten rings. Ten rings, yeah. and the fact that th- that character just wasn't like drawn at all, and that there is no, there is no time given to the, 
what the motivations or like this story, like what the larger context of this terrorist group is. We're just supposed to believe, like, ah, it's Afghanistan. They're the terrorist group. <laughs> like, right. Like, we, we yeah, let's believe that they uh, just destroy villages. About that character, just uh, one small observation I noticed while watching it this time. When uh, Pepper uh, hacks um, the computer and discovers everything that's going on in the background and finds the uh, video of Tony as a prisoner, um, I noticed when they when she hits the translate feature on there to translate to English, it's his voice, which doesn't really make sense to me because oh, wow. it should be just some native English voice, not his specific voice. But who knows? I don't that's know. Tony goof. Stark's technology is fantastic, I guess. Yeah. Uh, whoever runs I- that IMDb goof section, that's a goof. Uh, yeah, that's, that's really silly. Um, let's talk about uh, Jensen for a little bit. That's his name, right? I need to double check. Jensen? Yes. Jensen. 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 Jensen, yeah. Um, definitely an interesting character, and I think that he was pretty uh, well-drawn. Um, uh, I mean, I, I, you, I could have problems with the fact that he exists just to save Tony Stark's life, but I do, I like the last bit where he has, where, like, he reveals that when he said that he's going to see his family after he gets out, he knows right. that he's gonna die. Like, I thought that that was well done, and I didn't, I, I didn't, exp- I, upon watching it again, I forgot about that, and I, uh, I was, I was surprised by it again. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and, of course, the, the scene right before he dies, uh, Tony Stark goes, we gotta go, come on, move with me, we got a plan, and we're going to stick to it, which goes to show that Tony, in this instance, after everything that Jensen's done for him, uh, has shown, like, you can see, like, the remorse and the idea that Tony has a different outlook on things and and he really wants to do things different. And he actually wants Jensen to come with him. And Jensen says, this was always the plan, Stark. And then Tony says, come on, you're going to see your family. Get up. And Jensen says, like you said, Jake, my family is dead, Stark, and I'm going to see them now. It's okay. I want this. I want this. And then Tony says, you know, after a pause, thank you for saving me. And then Jensen says, don't waste it. Don't waste your life, Stark. And... It seems like from there, Tony take you know he takes the impetus and and he gets out of there, of course, with the huge uh, original Iron Man suit. Shout out to that suit, mm-hmm. and and that was just a great. And it, it's amazing how a character who you know was not in the movie that long, but at the same time was just so instrumental to the growth of uh, Tony Stark as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. And another bit uh, I found. Okay, go German. Uh, go Jerome. Oh. Oh, uh, just small problematic scene. Um, just since we're in this section. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. give another one. So yeah, go. Oh, go for it. You. Uh, uh, no, you go first. You go first. I... you go first. Sure. Um, Stanley's first appearance in the Marvel universe. He always does a cameo. Mm. Yes. Who was he mistaken as? Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner, who we know has a sordid history. Yes, he does. Wow. Uh, by the way, I'll, I'll let you just do it right now, and then I'll get back to my problematic thing. Another category I came up with was uh, how um, how intrusive was Stanley's cameo from a scale of 1 to 10. This one's pretty low. It wasn't that intrusive. Um, yeah. No. Probably, I would say, like a 3. Uh, right. Uh, but anyway, the last problematic thing is, and it's not super problematic, I just was like, I guess just because... I think movies do this better now. I was a little off-put by how simply the character Christine Everhart ended up, like, going to bed with Tony Stark. <laughs> like, she, like, was fully, like, fully his foil, like, really seemed to, like, it was, it kind of felt cheap how she really seemed to care about the issue she was talking about, and then, like, one joke later, and they're having, you know, 
sex. Like, it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. It's fine, but it was like, upon watching it again, it's like, eh, that, that felt like that feels like, oh, you know, yeah, she well, does actually care about things, but she also yeah. wants to f Tony, so. <laughs> Imagine how that character would be taken in this current climate, too, where, like, most, like, just, you know, the one who seems to stand for what's right and is easily compromised, like, if that yeah. was the message you were sending with this movie, it would, yeah, it'd be highly problematic. No, absolutely. And I, I just think it's I think it's funny when you think about it in retrospect, because when you see the movie in real time and you see it back when you when I originally watched it, it was like, mm -hmm. oh, this is kind of funny. And then, you know, in jest with the, you know, the fast dialogue and the and the and the quick quotes and the jokes and stuff like that. But then you're like now, like you guys just said, in this climate, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy yeah. to think about that like that. It's very crazy. Oh, yeah, and I think it's just, and beyond just, like, the climate, it obviously does have a lot to do with this current climate. It's just, like, a, I get what they're going for, that Tony Stark is so smooth, he can um, get this, you know, fierce reporter against him to have sex with him. But, uh, yeah, and then in the next scene, how, like, she kind of is, seemed, like, is treated, like, how she insults Pepper Potts. Like, she just presented immediately, like an actually intelligent journalist, and then is mm -hmm. quite quickly just becomes another woman Tony slept with. Which, once again, it's not... It's yeah. like 180, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, and actually, I thought that Leslie Bibb was pretty good in that role. Um, she, she's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, she, that was good casting, but, you know, it, it didn't make me mad. It was just like, uh, well, it's, that, that would have been handled better, probably. Um, now, did you guys read, because I was, once again, reading the MDB trivia section, that apparently... Uh, Paul Bettany, who of course is the voice of Jarvis, only did yes. three hours of work on the film. And while he doesn't say how much he was paid, he said that it was enough to take him and his wife Jennifer Connelly on a uh, a vacation. Wow, wow! Two oh, hours. Oh, that's why I did not know that. Oh wow, that's crazy. Oh my gosh! And he apparently never read. A, he didn't wasn't given a full script, and he said mm -hmm. like a few, like a year later he had, was asked about it, and he said he never even saw the movie. He has no idea what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. One <laughs> hopes he watched it by the time he became Vision. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Higher, yeah. And I, I mean, I really do like him as Jarvis. He has a great voice for it. Um, oh yeah. And apparently, I'm, I I uh, haven't read any of the comics. But apparently, the character Jarvis is based off of a butler um, that uh, yes. Howard yes. Stark left for him. And, excuse me, they changed it to a robot interface because they didn't want it to be compared too much to Alfred from Batman. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense because in um, Agent Carter, uh, when that, when that uh, series was running on ABC, they actually had Jarvis uh, with Howard Stark. They had the the character of Jarvis, who did play Howard Stark's butler back then. Just a nice little fun fact there. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm not really. I think it is canon that he, you know, got his. Uh, he named his robot after his dad's butler. I think that that's the point. But um, <laughs> it is, yeah. and 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 that all the stuff with the robots in the lab is all like that's like actually well done comedy because we're going to be talking a lot about the comedy of the MCU films because obviously there's a lot of it but yeah, the bits with just Robert Downey Jr. and the robots particularly the one that fire extinguishes 
are like actually like, oh, yeah, super well done funny. and like really really good physical comedy which i'm usually pretty down on physical comedy but it just works so well um it's just fun to watch and the wonderment of watching him do the first like flight test is still there even though i know that eventually he becomes iron man and you know is a and there's a bunch of other heroes it's still so cool to watch him first fly around his lab yeah yes completely agree yeah um, iron man inspired my friend to go skydiving i remember that oh wow i remember him leaving that movie and like he needed to chase that thrill like that's what happened to him Yeah, Iron Man. Iron Man to me, just seeing that that scene overall, like I, uh, and for somebody who like knew of Iron Man but was not like really a huge comic book reader back then, now I like I I read graphic novels like all the time. So, mm-hmm. so to get into all of the different stories of all of these different characters, and it's like, it, and it's different because when I saw when I saw X Men, those first couple of X Men movies. Uh, and then, of course, it ended with the at the time in 2006 with the with the last stand. Um, you know, I wasn't like, well, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> and then, of course, it's like it's so different if you think of the just the comparison between how uh, the Fox Studios did it and how Marvel Studios uh, just created such a great origin story. And and if you look at and I was talking about this uh, with somebody on Twitter the other day. And just to realize in the span of just about 10 years of what this has become and it all started with this film and just the fact that they were able to find a way to ingratiate and build these characters throughout all of these years is just something incredible. And I'm sure we'll we'll make this point a ton throughout all of these reviews, but I just find I just find it amazing that they were able to find a way to do that and almost do it in a, and do it in a way because a lot of other films, a lot of other superhero films, we, we see this with DC. They've had a lot of issues in terms of write, not only writing their characters, but just the way scenes are shot and everything that mm-hmm. everything of how it looks and quality of movie. But the, it's like quality of story and everything is just incredible. And this Iron Man film just started it all. And every time I watch it, I was like, wow, this really started 10 years ago. And it started something so amazing. <clears throat> And I think so um, much of what they do. I have open it. Go. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I have open in front of me the last five movies released by like Marvel-based movies released before Iron Man, just to like get the context of what kind of run they were having, which wasn't good. Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer, Spider-Man Three, Ghost Rider, X-Men: The Last Stand, and Fantastic Four. My and before God. that, if we go one more, Elektra, like. This was not something that was meant to succeed. I mean, and also, but the big thing—the big thing that changed though was that those weren't produced by Marvel Studios by themselves. Exactly. Um, Exactly. But I was just gonna say that, and I think so much of the success of the MCU is that most of, whereas like the DC movies, with the exception of Wonder Woman, which is uh, the only good one, are directed (laughs) by you know Zack Snyder, who is a big showy director, whereas most of the MCU movies are directed by people who might have some experience in, like, effects and stuff, but mostly are, like, directors of comedies or, like, smaller things. Like, John Favreau famously was, like, directed, like, Elf and 
Zathura <laughs> before this. I mean, Zathura obviously has a lot of effects, but it's like a kids' movie, and he wrote mm-hmm. um, Swingers. Like, it's not like he clearly is someone who is drawn to the character of Iron Man, but not uh, like he didn't come at it trying to make a superhero movie. He wanted to make a movie about like a stunted adolescent billionaire boy who changes enough to want to save the world, which mission accomplished because we're still talking yeah. about this movie. Uh, you know, we you, we still talk about this movie on its merits. Uh, yeah. Ten years later, which um, it's really nice. It's been ten, 10 years of the MCU, guys. Yeah, that's wild. That's crazy. Um, and so this is the final category I have, and I don't think that there's any competition of best line in the movie. I, I think it, I'm just gonna say it's gotta be. I am Iron Man. Cut to Iron Man by Black Sabbath. Like I, I if you guys have it, you could have other nominees. Like it's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a privilege to be nominated, but I can't imagine that there's any line better than that. Um, I would agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you, uh, Jake, on that. I am Iron Man at the <laughs> at the end of the movie. Just just the the way to to cap it off. But the, I would say the close second, and I would argue first because of okay. how I felt when I heard this line. Okay, mm-hmm. is after that when all the credits roll, and then at the end, you know, Tony walks into his uh, t- walks into his house. And then, of course, you hear Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. It's like you see you see Samuel L. Jackson with the eye patch. It's like, oh, holy shit, there's a black Nick Fury. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, then he goes, I am Iron Man. You think you're the only superhero in the world? Mr. Stark, you become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. And then Tony goes, who the hell are you? Nick Fury. Director of Shield, and Tony, of course, is like ah, and then and then of course the last line. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. And when I heard that, I went ape shit in the theater. I was like, oh, here we go. So we really, I we're really gonna do this. And like, cause at the time you don't think you think, oh, okay, Iron Man is the one. You know, it's like maybe a one-off, and then maybe they do a sequel or whatever, and it's not that big of a deal. But when you're talking about Avengers Initiative and actually teaming up. And putting all these heroes together. So, of course, you're talking about Captain America. You're talking about Thor. You're talking about the Hulk and all of these other characters. I was like, holy sh**. This is going to be wild. And this was my reaction then. And I had the same chill when I watched that line the other day uh, when I rewatched this movie. So, I would say, of course, I Am Iron Man is number one. I agree with you. But if there was ever going to be a replacement, I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative is is the next one. I mean, yeah, no, I agree with both of you. Um, of course, soft spot, I already mentioned the scene, Tony Stark built the cave, box of scraps. But no, definitely those two. Um, what I love about it, too, is just how bold those two moments and lines are, especially when we just talked about, like, really what was riding with this movie. Like, there was no expectation of success of moving it forward. So to, like, plan this universe... And, like, make a call for it, like, right from the start, huge. And just, it's a superhero movie. Like, superheroes usually are based on their secret identity. And for him to drop it like that right at the end, and it's so true to character. So it's not even something that you just feel like they're doing it for shock effect. 
it's such a beautiful moment and, and like you said like it just has all the swagger behind it and especially the last the I, I am iron man i think something that's so significant about it is that such an integral part of the other superhero movies we've talked about is the secret identity bit and mm-hmm. i love how perfectly it fits like like when i first saw it i'm like okay he's gonna go along with it and then like maybe in the second one but it's like no that that's not his character he's tony fucking stark he's gonna say i am yes. iron man <laughs> yes. like right. um and i let's the other and i think the two press conferences are great the first press conference scene now there was a little bit of trivia Jerome, that you wanted to mention about that. Just, I don't want to make, I want to make sure we don't forget it. Because I, I know, I saw it too, but uh, you <laughs> brought it up before we started talking. So I think you, you deserve to be able to say it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Tony Stark just escaped. He's back. The first thing he wants is a cheeseburger, which is purely American. It's, I get it. It's hilarious. And then when you find out where he's getting the burger from, it's Burger King. And why is that significant? Well, apparently, and I found this out from listening to Jake's podcast, Sorted History, on uh, Robert Downey Jr., the episode that on that, that was apparently the brand that brought him out of his drug addiction. So I think it's a little too coincidental for it, uh, for it to just be an accident. Um, it's such a cool little tidbit, for, oh, wow. especially because both are essentially the moments he escapes from his own prison. Like one is a literal one and then his real life one. Um, which was like his internal one. So, yeah, it's such a cool moment, Burger King. Um, and then, of course, that leads to the press conference where he's sitting down eating the burger while talking to the whole press. Just yeah. to the burger. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, that bit um, where like he tells the whole press to sit down. Like, I it just I'm a big fan of uh, like I love great writing. I mean, like. Um, I, as my Twitter bio will tell you, I am a dramatic writing major at NYU. But <laughs> I also just love when a scene like that in the first press conference, Robert Downey Jr. just acts the whole the whole room off. Like he's just like, and I don't even I doubt it was improvised. I doubt that take was the first one they did of it. But I wouldn't be surprised if the first time he told the whole crowd to sit down, he just was improvising because he's just so in control of. Everything and it really is just like I think that I'm too young to appreciate it, but it I do under I do get that like this movie was such an incredible comeback for Robert Downey Jr. Like I'm, I can't imagine in like talking about the sordid history like looking at, looking at that stuff. If you told someone in like 2002 that Robert Downey Jr. would be headlining one of the biggest movies of all time that started one of the biggest mm-hmm. franchises, you'd be like. Oh geez, that must be a nightmare to make. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's crazy to think there are, about. There are so few roles. Like, I'm not one of those people who thinks that there are a lot of roles that only could be played by one person. Like, I think that usually that's like just people being attached to what they see. But I don't know who else could play Tony Stark. Like, cause it's you... really hard to figure that one yeah. out. I I was thinking about that going in. And even while I'm watching it, and it's it just so perfectly parallels the person, at least like what we know about them. And he's a hell of an actor on top of it too. So, yeah, I couldn't think of a better person for that role. Yeah, yeah, and this and this is this is the part before you continue, Jake. This is the part that's going to be so interesting as we get closer and closer to Infinity War and Avengers Four. Like, what's going to happen when, uh, you know, allegedly 
uh, some of these contracts are up and some of these guys might be gone. If, if say, for instance, if Iron Man or Robert Downey Jr. is gone, how are they going to replace him? Because that just seems so hard. I've gotten so used to him mm-hmm. being the headliner in the main event of uh, of this uh, this great run the MCU has been on. Yeah, the Do you one... guys think that... Um... Uh, do you guys think that Robert Downey Jr. like really plans on leaving the franchise, or is this like a LeBron James esque like I'll take the short contract and leverage my point to like bring um, me back over and over again? I think he. Do- I was gonna say that the one downside of Robert Downey Jr. and it was un- it was unforeseeable is just that like he's he was too old he's too old to keep like I actually kind of want I don't mm-hmm, want him to mm-hmm. leave, but I think yeah. that he's definitely the best candidate for leaving. Because, like, he's in his 50s now, um, and uh, he obviously can only do the Iron Man stunts and stuff for so long. And, um, honestly, I think I think that someone has to leave, to be honest. And we'll get to this as we get some closer to Infinity War. But I think unless, if a core member of the Avengers doesn't either die or leave, I think that it's really hard to keep stakes because I think you need um, you and I think Iron Man probably would be the best can Iron Man or Captain America are probably the best candidate. Um, yeah, like, but yeah, I mean, and I think that uh, you know Robert Downey Jr. also ended up being great casting for the future Avengers movies we're gonna get to, just because like he is such a um, because even though in this one he's portrayed as like in in a lot of the dynamics he's portrayed as a good guy through almost throughout he is does have that like you know combative side that really comes mm-hmm. out especially in the first avengers with and then in civil war so all around uh john favreau said that when they were coming up with the film he was the only actor he had in mind um and and he had kind of come back like i'm a big fan of the the film uh kiss kiss bang bang uh which was before mm-hmm. this which is very good if you if anyone hasn't seen it you should watch it um, that led to basically Iron Man three in a sense. Yes, because Shane Black directed both. Um, yes, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I don't have any more thoughts about Iron Man. Well, I mean, probably you could squeeze some out of me. But guys, do you have any thoughts that you guys want to get out before uh, we wrap this up? Um, interestingly, uh, just your point about how like we'll definitely touch upon it once we get to later movies. But um, what's great about Robert Downey Jr. as a character is like it seems like his character doesn't necessarily change too much. Like he definitely grows throughout, but there's this one scene where Pepper asks him why he's doing it, and he's like, "It's the only thing I know how to do." And it's this like great honorable moment. But watching it now, knowing what comes later, it's almost like that character like um, strength soon becomes a flaw because you see like how that stubbornness like mm-hmm. turns into what happens later on in the universe. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to touch upon that when we get to those points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I think just the just the perspective and just what you see from the start of that movie to not only the end of that movie but as we continue on is just actual character growth that you don't necessarily notice if because a lot of times when you're watching movies you just want to see things blow up, you want to see the action, you want to see whatever and especially in a Marvel movie that's what you're looking for. But as time has gone on and as I've gotten older and 
you know, learn to appreciate the performances in these movies, you actually see, to Jerome's point, that character growth, which is essential, which makes you invested in, in wanting to see what happens to these characters going forward. So I thought it was just a great start uh, for Robert Downey Jr. and everybody in that movie to just get this MCU stuff started off in a way that you know, it's legendary when we when we look at, back at it years from now. Uh-huh, and I'm going to end, I think we should end every episode, this is going to be a very, very easy one, by uh, placing the movie in our rankings of uh, MCU movies that we've reviewed, and since this is number one, at the moment, it is one of one for me, and I assume it is one of one for all of you too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Uh, one of one. I would put my foot down on that, yes. Uh... <laughs> So, anyway, uh, I want to thank uh, Anthony Canton III and Jerome Chang, and uh, we, that's who we've been. I don't want to say I want to thank, because we're all, we're, we're three, we're co-hosting. This is, yeah. our <laughs> rotate hosting duties, because this is uh, a democracy. Um, but yeah, we're going to be doing all these um, up until Infinity War. Jerome, do you have anything to promote? Um... No, actually, uh, I guess if you want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Black Dragon Roll. Um, all is one word. Uh, but no, uh, I think that's about it. Uh, Anthony? Hey, hey, I am uh, AC Spotlight 95 on Twitter. Uh, actually, the AC Spotlight podcast, which is uh, mostly sports. And then every so often, I kind of hang around in the, the Basketball Friends universe as their poet so every now and then you'll you'll hear me on the mailbag uh spewing off my uh, my rhymes about the show and and its universe as well also you can buy his uh bo- his poetry book selfish on amazon um, oh wow mm-hmm. great job mm-hmm. Six. Mm-hmm. i completely forgot because you know Save. If, if if i had a book i'd be talking about it all the time but uh you can listen <laughs> You can listen to my other podcast, Sorted History, on the Leverage the Chat Network. Uh, like Jerome mentioned, I do have an episode on Robert Downey Jr., but I have episodes on a lot of different people to show about what celebrities have done in the past that's bad. I enjoy it, people enjoy it, yada, yada, yada. Um, I hope you guys have a great week. Let us know if there's anything we can improve, any categories you want to add. Until next time, uh, goodbye. Peace. Later. Later.